Hello, and welcome to Watering Seeds, a podcast conversation that reviews and reapplies the preached word to our own minds and hearts and to those of our listeners. Watering Seeds is a podcast ministry of Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Today we will be discussing our recent sermon on Genesis 12, verses 10 to 20, entitled The Man of Weak Faith. You can hear this sermon if you haven't already on our website, covenantreform.net, under the Sermons tab. My name is Sean McCann. I had the distinct pleasure of sitting with my family under the ministry of the Word as Pastor Chris preached this sermon on Sunday. Uh, So welcome, Pastor Chris. Hello. Appreciate your word. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good. Are you sore from any weekend activities? Oh, you know what, Sean? I was gardening this weekend. Oh, there it is. (laughs) And I am very sore. Something happened with my hip. Uh... So yes, I'm, I was in excruciating pain on Monday. <laughs> we need to track the watering seed comments for the last month and yep. see if your your pain and soreness builds up to yeah. the yeah, to yeah. A, a hip socket. <laughs> People say, well, what this teaches us is that we shouldn't garden, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe don't garden on the pastor's day off of but Monday, right? Not Monday. <laughs> Went to sleep on Monday or something. That's right. Um, all right. Well, I appreciated uh, your sermon. Uh, as we're getting into the life of Abram, hmm. Abram and Sarai down in Egypt, uh, the hash of it that he makes, hmm. God's rescue plan, uh, got a wonderfully easy outline to follow. Uh, he was fearful, sinful, and deceitful. I do have a question before we get into the text. Sure. And uh, I'm thinking about how our members who don't have 20, minute, 20 hours to study a text, kind mm. of to prepare a sermon, mm-hmm. how we can read Old Testament narratives and understand them in their context, but also uh, as our goal in preaching is always to bring things to towards the gospel and to Christ. Mm. So on the face of it, this is just a story of a bad husband, mm. right? Right. <laughs> so what are some things you're thinking of as you're approaching a narrative text like this uh, that are helping you understand what it's teaching here in a broader context how you're thinking about, are you looking for hidden Easter eggs that are mm. going to take you to Jesus? You know, mm. what, what, what are some helpful ways that maybe our members can learn as we're preaching through these texts, how to make spiritual application to Christ, to themselves, uh, as they're reading it on their own? Yeah. Any thoughts on that? I sprung uh, this on you. Well, just off the top of my head then, uh, I guess a sort, it's sort of a question of how do you read the Bible? Um and apply it to your life. Is it just this book over there that we've decided, oh, that's really cool. I'm going to take principles from it for some reason. Uh, no, this is, we've recognized that this is God speaking and that it's the inerrant infallible word of God. And so we need to interpret it according to what he intends it to be interpreted as. So the Bible is, it's a list, it's, it's a bunch of things that's what God wants us to believe about him and what he wants us to do. Uh, I mean, what man is to believe concerning God and what God requires mm-hmm. of man, as the Westminster Confession yeah. puts it. Yeah. Uh, so as we're reading a text, it's what does this say about God? What does this say about man? And when you look at those two things, those are objective, timeless realities. So as I, as I read this thing about Abram, I'm seeing what God is like and I'm seeing what man is like. And then I can apply that to my circumstances. Mm-hmm. 
And then in regards to how that relates to Christ, it's that Christ is the main way God relates to man. Mm -hmm. So if we're dealing with the sinful man, well, that that's not really exactly what Christ is like, is it? But if we're dealing with how God relates to man, well, that's what Christ is like. Uh, so here it's Christ is the the one who's compassionate and generous and patient, just as uh, the Lord is in this passage. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's how I yeah. would advise yeah. it, is to be looking for those two things. So as we're looking at Abraham, or Abram, and then Abraham, I mean, what are we looking for in him? Because mm -hmm. is he a scoundrel, or is he a model for us? Yeah. Is he neither? He's both. Is yes. he both? Yeah. Yeah, so the biblical figures are, they're... They're Christians. They're old covenant Christians. I don't. People don't like to put that term on them, but that's what they are. Yeah, it's a helpful term, um, actually. Yeah, and so you would say if I even outside of Scripture, if I read the life of the saints and I read about the martyrdom of Polycarp or something, I'd be like, I want to be like him. Mm -hmm. How great is Polycarp? You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if all the miracles that are associated mm -hmm. with him are real, but I know that certainly he was faithful to the end. Uh, I want to be like that. Well, you, we could obviously say the same of a biblical character, and more so, uh, that this person definitely did these things, because God said they did mm -hmm. these things, and he wants me to be like this as a follower of Christ. Uh, but then at the same time, uh, we're sinners and yet saints simultaneously, and we're having the work of sanctification do done in us, and that shows us more about what God is like mm -hmm. and our need of salvation so there's times when we say we shouldn't be like that. Mm -hmm. uh, we should look at the Savior who's so merciful as to save somebody like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting as you look at his life. You know, if we were to color the text, highlight with a green highlighter where he looks good and the red mm. highlighter where he looks bad. Mm. Right? We had green last week or two weeks ago in his faith. Red, you're weak for the most part, although the end is good. I think there might be a little bit more red overall. Yeah, but my week's going to be green, and then you're preaching again in two weeks. Green. It'll be green. It's going to be green again, and yeah. then it's going to be really red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so uh, then he's going to get tested. It's Yeah, it's it, it's not, at least maybe it is. I, I don't know yet how if there's a logical progression here. Uh, I'm going to make the point on Sunday that he, I think he learns from his mistake somewhat. I mean, he has... Uh, we're going to get this in just a second. But he encounters something that on the face of it makes him fearful. And that's how chapter 13 is going to begin. There's going to be this choice. Uh, there's too many people in the land, but he wants the land. So what's he going to do? Is he going to act out of his own plans or is he going to trust God? And I think in chapter 13, he trusts God. In chapter 12, he clearly doesn't. And later on, he's going to relapse. He's going to definitely relapse. Yes. Uh, hardcore <laughs> relapse. Well, that's an encouragement in the overall picture of the life of the believer, though, mm -hmm. that it, it isn't as if sanctification is just this straight um, mm -hmm. uh, hill or a mm -hmm. like a straight level path. It's mm -hmm. more like a curvy mm -hmm. type thing with dips yeah. that go way down and then they go way up and yeah. then they go a little down. And, yeah. 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 I've heard it described as growth in the Christian life. It, like Abram, it feels like you're a yo-yo, just going mm. up and down, like up and down, up and down. But what you don't realize is the one holding the yo-yo is walking up the steps. That's right. <laughs> so you're That's going right. up and down, but over the long run, generally speaking, mm -hmm. right, God is sort of leading you along mm -hmm. uh, by the hand. Well, this is an introduction to Abram's 
we don't really know anything about him except he obeyed, mm-hmm. right? In the last passage, uh, this passage, uh, you make the, the point that God saves and protects people uh, with weak faith. Uh, and he's, we're like that with weak mm-hmm. faith. So he saves and protects us. So uh, you highlight uh, what that weak faith looks like. Is that how you, is that kind yes. of the heading? It looks like fearful, mm-hmm. sinful, deceitful. Mm-hmm. Is that the right? Okay. That's right. Uh, so maybe just hit each of those in turn. Verses 10 to 13, it looks fearful. We are probably not going to be tempted with this. Maybe we will have somebody powerful desire our wife and we might die because well, he's going to take well, our well, wife. Well, 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 <laughs> we have a gas crisis going on. Okay. Right we could be very afraid. So boil down Abram's fear. Uh, and generalize it for yeah. us so it applies directly to us well i'm not gonna get home because i'm gonna run out of gas yeah, yeah, <laughs> sort yeah. of thing i mean yeah ult- i mean the basic one is fear starvation which is kind of a natural thing and like a good uh-huh. thing like uh-huh. we should be afraid to starve so that we are compelled to go get food like that's right why god has permitted us to have fear in the fallen world mm-hmm. uh, it's to help us mm-hmm. but then there's a dangerous side of it, the mm-hmm. the sinful side, which is I need to do something bad in order to make sure I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that looks like. So yeah. I'm going to steal steal stuff. One picture, one illustration I saw today was with the gas crisis. Somebody pulled plastic bags out of her car <laughs> and started pumping gas into plastic bags. <laughs> oh my goodness! And then it started spewing out of the holes in the plastic bag. So she got another plastic bag and put it over that plastic Double bag. Double bag it. <laughs> Double bagged it and stuck it in the trunk of her car. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's exactly per- a perfect analogy of the right, sinful right. fear, but uh, something like that shows yeah. we can be, we're just the same sort of people. Yeah. It seems to me as well with Abram, we sort of weave this into the bigger picture. So God's promise is him a seed and land, mm-hmm. and he can't receive that promise if he's dead. Right. And... Take Maybe. matters into my own hands. Yeah, God needs some help. Yeah, figuring, uh, making sure. And mm. I read some. I might have said this last week, but a lot of these, I think, stories are woven together as we are reading them because they keep putting the the promise keeps coming in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Maybe real or imagined, but it seems like yeah. they're now far away from the land. They're in Egypt. He might die. That's what's right? going to happen with Hagar. That's the big one. With that's Hagar. the big one. It's going to yeah. come up in a little bit. And this next week, Abram and Lot, they try to figure out where to settle because the land won't hold them. So all of a sudden, the land's at je- in jeopardy, mm-hmm. right? That promise is... Uh, and then, of course, the big one, if you can't have kids. So maybe part of that is n- it's not trusting God to fulfill his promise. Mm-hmm. So I need to take matters into my own hands. Is that a or, consistent theme and sinful he will, fear? He will do it if I do certain part. things. If I do sinful things because... Sometimes God does use means to mm-hmm. accomplish his promises. Mm-hmm. He uses evangelism to accomplish the promise yeah. of bringing people into his church. But it would be sinful to be like, I'm going to bring people into the church by holding them up at gunpoint right. and telling them to become Christians, right? Uh, and that's sort of the issue here is yeah. uh, God can only deliver on his promise if I do something wrong. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious if you kind of thought about this is really wrong. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. it's deceitful, but that's not even the top of the list. Yeah, like, I mean, adultery, forced adultery. Right, I mean, he's abandoning his wife Yeah, to save his own skin. Mm. And maybe to save hers. You know, maybe he thinks... But that's not how it's expressed. Right. It's expressed as, 
you're pretty good looking. I know it's going to happen. And they're going to kill me for things to go well with me. Yeah. You need to do this for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's selfish. Definitely a selfish mm-hmm. layer to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And tying it to sort of, I don't, the, you know, the, the Western heroic idea of a, you know, a man dying for his family. Mm. This is the exact opposite of that. Yes. Right? Just yeah. turn, turn it all upside down. No. Uh, so identifying a root of fearful motivation in our own lives mm-hmm. and actions is yeah. maybe a, a, a healthy spiritual reflected reflection point, yeah. right? Where am I motivated by fear mm. to break God's word, to break God's law, um, abandon my spouse? Yeah. And my, well, my encouragement wasn't, it wasn't to be like, I'm going to beat you up because you're so fearful mm-hmm. because I don't think that's what the Lord does here. Um, He's incredibly patient with this fearful person, even someone who does terrible things because of his fear. Instead, he shows him his power, mm-hmm. and he shows him his justice mm-hmm. and his righteousness. Mm-hmm. And that's what the fearful Christian needs to see, mm-hmm. is that God's powerful, God is patient and just, mm-hmm. and he's going to do what's right. Mm-hmm. And he will fulfill his promise, and he doesn't need us to break mm-hmm. any laws to do it. It seems like... And maybe you'd say this is not true, but it seems like some people who that somebody who's afraid might not understand themselves to be afraid. Right. They might believe that they're wise. Right. They're appropriately cautious, mm-hmm. and so fear sort of is covered by something else. Yes. And somebody from the outside. It's I mean, just did a term? Did Abram say to himself, "Man, I'm so afraid." So here's my plan, Mm-mm. you know, or I doubt that. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so there's it. And we, we think about this as preachers a lot. I mean, not everybody knows their sin. Right. And we don't know our own sin. Yeah. Right. I mean, we need the Lord to convict it, to show us where God, where am I being fearful? Yeah. Um, well, and once I recognize it, hopefully the preacher is not piling up guilt right, on top right, of right. my head. <laughs> Some people, sometimes people are com- just confused about what fear is too, because there's, there's good fear. There's the fear of the Lord. That's a good thing. There's natural fear of bad things happening, which is fine. It's natural. And then there's sinful fear. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes people get that kind of all mixed up together. Mm-hmm. And it, get, it gets confusing. What do you mean by a healthy a healthy fear? I mean, I'm afraid yep. if I touch the stove, it'll burn my hand. Yes, that is a good thing. But I haven't quite thought of that as fear. I would describe that as caution or... Ye- but caution is just a term. Uh, it's just a, a term that is based out of fear. So there's a there's a little book on fear, and I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to put the link in the description yeah. later. But it's by a Puritan. Maybe it's by Downame, um, and it describes natural fear, and it's mm-hmm. basically it could be caution or prudence mm-hmm. are types of natural fear that. Before the fall, there wouldn't have been no reason for it. You wouldn't have been concerned about being bitten by a snake or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, stubbing your toe mm-hmm. or something bad happening in the future. You mm-hmm. wouldn't have had any of those concerns or mm-hmm. worries. Yeah, You wouldn't have been afraid of that. But after the fall, we need to be afraid of, of those mm-hmm. things in order to stop ourselves from, mm-hmm. from doing it. Uh, but even a thing like that can have 
healthy and unhealthy. Yes. Like I don't want to put my hand in the nest of rattlesnakes. Right. But if I'm afraid to go outside because I saw a rattlesnake in my yard right. three years ago. Right. That would be it would be a mix. damaged. It would yeah. be a damaged version. Whether that's sinful or not, I don't know. Just yeah. sinful fear is where you're you you're you're taking something good and you're saying it I'm gonna do something wrong to mm-hmm. make things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. So it sounds like you're trying to use a phrase that I would say some people, most of our people would be unfamiliar with right. and you're trying to put a healthy label on it. Yes. And encourage people that yeah. you can exercise godly fear not fear of god which right. is that is godly that fear, is godly. but there's a godly fear there's of things in the world yeah we shouldn't be af- shouldn't be afraid of being afraid we right. shouldn't be steer away from saying i'm not afraid of anything because i'm a christian yeah. no there's things that it's appropriate to be cautious over yeah. which we could just relabel yeah. as fear to help us differentiate yeah, yeah. is that fair yeah. to say you can be courageous and have a healthy fear of certain things right like oh yeah the christians are called to be courageous but we're also supposed to be uh, wise yeah. and cautious yeah. and not allow you know things to hurt us that yeah. we can prevent from hurting us yeah. so well cur- I, I would say you can't be courageous unless you're actually have fear because there's nothing to overcome a good kind of fear right yes right yeah yeah so okay well that's sort of a, a rabbit trail but mm-hmm. helping us understand fearful well, there are a lot of f- afraid people right now during covid so it's it's, it's a rabbit trail but it's yeah. appropriate so we, it's helpful to try to look at our own fear and see, is it rational or irrational? Is mm. it sinful or godly? Mm. Is it kind of inappropriate or, you know, is it taking over mm. my life in certain ways? Mm. Uh, maybe do I think because I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to have any fear of anything ever? Mm. And maybe that's leading me to some unhealthy disregard mm. of things I should you know, have a healthy respect or fear over. Or on the other hand, is it no big deal and it doesn't matter what I do out of out of fear or what it how it affects other people because that's just as problematic. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the second point. Mm-hmm. Uh, God saves and protects people with weak faith. Another expression of weak faith is Sinful. Now, that's an mm. overarching category. Yeah. Well, I was just trying not to be very specific about... <laughs> it's really... I mean, I mentioned it. It's adultery. Uh, adulterous people. Uh, faithless people. And and you are keying in, of course, on Abram, mm-hmm. not on his wife. Yes. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, there's no blame placed on his wife here. Correct. Yeah. She's a victim. Yes. Of, of multiple men. Yes. Well, well, it's a... One in particular. One, at least one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the the thing I wanted to sort of clarify and spend some time on the second point uh, is the phrase, don't presume on grace. Mm. Don't presume on God. You explained it in the sermon, but can you explain again what you meant by that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I saw in this second part that God is merciful to sinful people. I mean, that it's overarchingly about his mercy. But I wanted to kind of add a note of caution just because of the way, um, honestly, just because of our culture and because of the way I've seen the church go, mm-hmm. people in the church go, friends of mine go, uh, which is um, God is so gracious. We should, basically, we should sin all the more that grace might increase all the more. That's kind of been the approach. Mm-hmm. And To quote Romans 6, 
are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Right. And Paul says, as my Greek professor used to say, no! <laughs> I wonder how that's going to pick up on the on the mic here. Uh, in the ESV, it's by no means, but he used to make us shout it in our New you, Testament class. You had class. to shout it in class? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Sorry, I interrupted you. Scared you scared me. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right, though. No. Uh, yeah, we don't... So what does that look like today? To, to presume on grace, it's... Um, what does it look like today? That is somebody say that's what honestly what friends have said to me, which is I'm living they're living in a sin, a very particular sexual sin, and I've said, Hey, the Lord says this is wrong and he says that his followers will seek to obey him, they'll will repent of things that he says are sinful, and you appear to be living at odds with what he says. Uh, you need to turn from this and put it away. And live a different way. And they've said, well, I like this person, mm-hmm. and God it loves to forgive, so I'm just going to keep doing it. That is presuming on God's grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, in their minds, they really don't think it's a sin. They think it could be, mm-hmm. but that God's going to forgive them. Mm-hmm. And he'll sort of forgive anything yeah whatever mm-hmm. that's just sort of a question mark mm-hmm. i think in their conscience it's a question of whether you know how seared is somebody's conscience mm-hmm. if they are sinning and injuring their conscience and they continue to sin mm-hmm. eventually their conscience could be seared mm-hmm. so that they no longer really know if it's moral or immoral mm-hmm. um, but scripture is clear mm-hmm. about a, a whole bunch of things mm-hmm. So if you yeah. got a, a thieving person who thieves all the time, right. Paul says, once you become a Christian, stop stealing and work with your hands. Mm-hmm. Do good. And somebody says, well, you know, God's gracious, so I'm going to keep stealing. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, well, you might not be a Christian. Mm-hmm. In fact, if we knew somebody who was doing that, we would probably put them under church discipline mm-hmm. and go through the steps and seek for them to come to repentance and mm-hmm. if they won't eventually they would be excommunicated and treated as if they're not a christian because they're not living like one but that's what it means to presume on god's grace that i'm gonna sin i'm gonna do something that is clearly defined as sinful trusting or believing for some reason that i'm gonna be forgiven even though i'm not repentant mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a another word for this is license so if a i have license to sin, i have yeah. license license to sin yeah yeah the old james bond license yes, to kill license. i have license to do anything mm-hmm. because god's gonna cover it up yeah yeah it's the um it's when satan tempted jesus in the wilderness and he says he took him up onto the temple to the pinnacle of the temple and he said throw yourself off because there's a passage in scripture that says he'll he'll command his angels concerning you that you won't strike your foot against a stone and jesus response to him is you shall not put the lord your god to the test Mm -hmm. uh to throw oneself off of the pinnacle of the temple is to potentially kill oneself Mm -hmm. that's sin uh so i'm not he he was saying i'm not going to presume on the grace of god that God will mm-hmm. save me for trying to mm-hmm. kill myself off the top of the pinnacle here. So it's it's like that, but often even worse or more of an affront than what Christ was tempted to do. Yeah, so it's interesting. There's It's a warning and an assurance here. The assurance yes. is 
Like he saves and protects people yes. of weak faith. Yeah. But you don't you don't flip that to say therefore it's okay right. yeah. on the front end of something mm-hmm. for you to do or say or think whatever you want because he saves weak people. Right. Right. Right? It's sort of we're reversing the logic here. This should deal with two types of people. Mm-hmm. The Christian who's worried that God isn't that forgiving. They, they did something they shouldn't have done. They're sorry for it. They don't want to do it. They've put it away. And this should assure them that God is mm-hmm. gracious and forgiving. Look at what he did for Abram. Look at how kind he was to Abram. But then there's another sort of person they should warn against. Um, just because it worked out like this for Abram, it doesn't mean you can keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. So. Yeah. Okay. Anything else on that point before we move on to the third one? Um, do you know of any examples like that? this in your life? People presuming on the grace of God? I mean, I've definitely seen it. I can think of hypotheticals. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I no no none no no more in particular uh, come to mind right now. I'm in the unfortunate place of knowing far too many people. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think it 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 sounds like the the kind of position that somebody who is raised in the church and in the faith yeah. and wants to expand their lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? And so those outside of the church not from Christian homes. It's not quite a category. Right. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. Yeah, Sean and I come from two different backgrounds here. PCA pastor's kid for me. Yeah. Yep. I believe uh, li- for you. Yeah. yeah, secular liberalism. Yeah. <laughs> so I was raised among, uh, among a bunch of church kids, yeah. and I've seen yeah. them stay in the church but live opposed to Christ. Mm. They want to keep the language yes. and the categories. They. They wouldn't call themselves progressive Christians, but that's what they really are. Um, which that the term Christian shouldn't really be applied. Right. It's a different religion. But it's a denial of all these major categories: yes. sin, grace, that's right, <laughs> forgiveness. That's right. But it keeps yeah. the terminology, and it's it's really um, it's pretty upsetting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's stealing our words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think of a small example in my own life of something like. You know, I'm in a conversation and I am tempted to speak poorly of someone else. Hmm. You know, I just want to, if I could just gossip for like 90 seconds, get it off my chest, then they can kind of go back. And you know, God, he gets me. It's okay. Mm-hmm. He knows I'm frail and dust mm-hmm. and he'll forgive me. Yeah. And so, bleh, there it is. You know what I mean? And that, That's a very small that example. That's a small example, but that's real. Um, I, I mean, I could think about, you know, uh, drinking. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I probably shouldn't have a drink right now, uh, but it'll be okay. God mm. will forgive me. You know, these are mm. maybe smaller examples we see uh, in our day-to-day life as opposed to a massive change that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, we want, because we want, I mean, we want to herald the grace and forgiveness of God. And so you're exactly right that we have to be careful. There's that old saying that we want to, you know, we want to comfort the people who are afflicted, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we want to afflict the ones who are comfortable. Yeah, and who shouldn't be comfortable. Sin- sinfully yeah. comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, in their own sin. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, a, a health. Uh, I think a healthy question is sort of for, for us is to think about our motivations before we 
do something. That's, yeah. that's a really broad way of yeah. saying it. But I mean, the examples mm-hmm. I use were drinking and gossip. I'm sure there's many others um, in our, you know, in the, mm. the, the sins that we are tended to commit. And is there some error in our theology that sense sort of justifies that before we do it? Mm. I don't mm. know. All right, well, let's hit the last one. Uh, deceitful, uh, verses 17 to 20. Now, he's already committed deceit before yeah. we get to these verses, right? Yeah, yeah. But you want to highlight here the deceitfulness of it. Yeah, because it's his, his deceitfulness is found out. That's why, ah, there that's you why go. I wanted to focus on it here. Because that's where Pharaoh's like, hey, wait, what? Um, and that's where God reveals this stuff. It's It's focused on... It's figured out here because God afflicts Pharaoh here. Yeah. Yeah. So you you make the point that God confronts sinners with himself mm-hmm. to show us who we really are. Yeah. So how does this text show us who God is, especially in this last point? Yeah, that he is displeased with sin <laughs> and that he is a righteous God. But is it... Is it... Why does he afflict Pharaoh? My view of that was that he was being merciful to Abram and okay. not afflicting Abram. Okay. And that Abram is his chosen servant, and he's made a promise to him to give him a seed through Sarai. And Pharaoh's taken her. So he, so God is doing what's necessary to drive her back to Abram. And he's, he's being merciful to Abram by not punishing Abram. And he's visiting his displeasure on the sin at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes total sense then. Hmm. Um, you know, a, a question I have is, and there's probably not an answer to this, but how does, how does Pharaoh know what's going on? Yeah, I, I wasn't entirely <laughs> sure. All I could think was like, at least logically, he could get, he saw something, right? Like, well, Yeah, like the, the sailors with Jonah. Right. They're like, why is, why is this happening? Why is this happening? <laughs> Let's cast lots. And yeah. Jonah's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, Who, I, who's me? <laughs> who's my latest it wife? It could have been something like, it, it doesn't talk about the process, yeah. but yeah. he obviously knew something's happened. Why is this happening to me? Um, yeah, and interestingly to me, I guess it's because he's afflicted. He seems to show uh, a level of morality here. Yes. Is that right? Or does he just want the affliction gone? Maybe both? Uh, probably both. Okay. Yeah. That, I, was, I, I pointed out that it, the way Pharaoh responds, it's almost, it's almost like God uses his words to discipline Abram. It's like God is chastising Abram through Pharaoh. Because Pharaoh, this potentially immoral person who doesn't know God hmm. is like, how could you not see how bad this is? Like you're married to this woman, take your wife. I didn't talk about that, but look how many times he says your wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think you did mention that. I mentioned it to you earlier. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. 18. Uh, why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why'd you say she's my sister? So I took her from my wife and take your wife and go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's amazing about all of it is, he goes down during a famine, and he comes up rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all he does when he's there is sin. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's right. What? That's... What is happening? Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, it. And there's this theme, and you mentioned this theme in the Bible of famine, mm-hmm. and there's this theme of Egypt, mm-hmm. right? This going down and coming out of Egypt with yeah. him and with the people of God and with 
Jesus' parents, mm-hmm. uh, which is tied together, you know, through the prophet. So anyway, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. The, the mark here is, on the surface, is, man, what a crummy guy this is. Mm-hmm. But then as you look at some of the details, and that's one of the things about Old Testament narratives is like, there's not many details. And so when something stands out, it stands out for a reason. Right. Um, so he goes down, messes up, comes back, famine's over, and he's rich. Mm-hmm. So what must that be? Well, it's got to be grace. I mean, what else could it be? That's it must right. be That's right. God who saves and protects weak people. I mean, what a wonderfully encouraging message mm. uh, to us. Um, yeah, remind me again uh, how you drew us to Christ at the end of the sermon. Yeah. Well, so I pointed out the issue of lying, of course, and that there are plenty of people lying to themselves. We lie to ourselves every day. Abram's a liar. But this is primarily not about Abram. It's primarily about God and what God is doing here. And um, what God does to restore Abram is chastise somebody else. And so I say that's kind of like an analogy. Um, What God does to show his righteousness, what it should lead us to repent and to find forgiveness and find grace and be restored Mm -hmm. is... He punishes somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so he punished Pharaoh, but the bigger one is that he punished Christ in the place of sinners. I don't know if that's... Yeah. I, I think that's a good analogy, at least, yeah. um, from this. Yeah, we look so, at Abram not as much as a Christ figure. Right, in this passage. Right, yeah. and in a lot... Of, well, I guess we'll see in, that a little bit in the next couple of weeks. Sometimes he's more Christological, but not... More often than not, he's just... Uh, he's us. Yes. Right? Yes. He's he's a forerunner to the Israelites mm-hmm. and very much their journeys and their successes and failures. And that's a forerunner to us, mm. all of whom need Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's times when he comes and he rescues. Right. And he saves. Mm-hmm. And at those moments, he is definitely pointing us to Christ. Mm. So we, But we see in the faithfulness and the grace of God christ mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah 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 i had not thought quite about that I, I like that idea before of how sort of if you see somebody else getting punished mm. for something that's not nearly as bad as what you had done mm. right i mean what right. abram's done here is a whole lot worse than what pharaoh's done but right. pharaoh's one get punished and yeah. just the emotions of sort of relief kind of but also mm. shame mm-hmm. and uh, some self-incrimination i mean mm-hmm. this whole mix of emotions uh, but the look that we have, worse than Abram to Christ, who you cannot even compare to Pharaoh, right? Um, right but right. who has been struck for our sin? Yeah, not right. just his sin, not his Pharaoh, sin at all. Pharaoh sinned. Yeah, yeah, kind of unknowingly, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But Christ had done nothing himself. Yeah. Is it too much? Is it too far a stretch to say? And we come out of Egypt rich? Yeah, no, I don't think that <laughs> with I don't the, think it's a the blessings of God in Christ, That's right? Undeserved. Undeserved riches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's good. Mm. It's good. Any other thoughts? I mean, that's all I've got. I I enjoy preaching this text. Okay. Um, Looking forward to hear what you have to say about the next one. Good. Good. Well, we'll pivot to our close then. All right. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Watering Seeds. We hope you found this conversation helpful. 
as you seek to live out your faith this week. Join us next week as we discuss the sermon on Genesis 13. Uh, This is, if we're highlighting them red and green, we're highlighting this passage green for Abram. It's pretty red for Lot, his Mm -hmm. nephew, who makes a hash of his life Mm -hmm. with poor decisions. In contrast to Abram, who has eyes of faith. So uh, we'll go back there. If you have questions from that message, uh, give it a listen and submit those questions to us, to office at covenantreform.net. We'll try to answer them next week. Until then, grace be with you all.